Cheryl Shaw, Dr. David Tabrett, welcome Thank to you. Pet Chat for another instalment. Hello. hello, hello. Hello. Cheryl, I have to comment today. Your brooch is divine. You've got a beautiful flower with a very bright, colourful, glittery almost bee yes. on top. It is. And I noticed, Sarah, that you're wearing a bee. I am wearing a bee necklace mm. and you're wearing a bee bracelet. We're talking about bees. Yes, and our pets and the dangers of the little bees, although they're beautiful. They are beautiful, but they do pack a sting, don't mm-hmm. they? Absolutely. And you've got to tell us your topic, David, if we get to it today, because I've been in hysterics. Hang- <laughs> you know when you go on a diet, yeah. you get hangry? Yeah. So do cats. <laughs> Yeah, cats get no, no. They actually, there's been a study done that looked at this and found that their levels of aggression go up when they're hungry. Fair enough. So we're going to talk about how we can help our cats diet without getting too hangry. That's it. Okay. We're talking about bees. It's that time of the year where we see them out. Yeah, with spring, so many flowers are blooming. The bees are really busy collecting the pollen. But one of the things we've got to realise that some of our pets are really intrigued by the buzzing sounds and they will chase the bees. So I know Avalon's got a bit of OCD and he can't stand blowflies and he can't stand bees. So oh. I always worry that he's actually going to um, catch one and you know something bad is going to happen. And a lot of our animals, particularly cats and dogs, they investigate their world by using their paws and their their noses. And this is something that sometimes can happen, that the bee will actually sting the the pet on the nose or on the paw. So it's really important that if if you think that your dog or cat has um, been stung, that you have a look to see whether the stinger is still in the pet. Now, David, you would see a lot of stinger Mm. bee activity at your place. Yeah, very often people don't actually know whether it was a bee or a wasp or yep. whatever, but certainly insect bites, insect stings, um, and bees actually are a little bit more severe than just a reaction to, say, um, a mosquito bite, which is an allergy because bees actually contain a venom. Yeah, and when a bee actually bites the pet, that's that stinger stays behind and it can still continue to um, put venom into the pet. Yeah, I think a lot of pets will rub them. Yeah. You'll, you'll see them rubbing their face, and often it's the face, right? Yes. Because they, as you said, they're chasing them or got their nose down in the garden, that sort of thing. Yeah. So, yeah, they often rub their face and they rub them away. But I have actually removed some um, stings from dogs' faces, yeah. Yeah, and the best way to remove them, and it isn't to pull it out, is it? It's to scrape it sideways with like a credit card or something like that. Yeah, we, we tend to use some... Um, We've got uh, forceps that'll do that, and um, but you're right, to scrape them yeah. sideways. Because and those think, little things are so full of barbs. Well, you're worried also that uh, you're just going to inject a little bit more because often the, when the bee leaves the stinger behind, it's kind of like the half the back end of the bee mm. gets left behind, and so there's often this venom sac there as well. So I think you're right. Scraping them away is the way to go. Can bee stings be fatal to our dogs? Can they have allergic reactions like certain humans? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can be allergic to anything. So, yeah, but with the bees, the um, venom, it's more stimulating to the immune system. So we call that more allergenic. So if a dog gets bitten or stung, for example, and we think that it's, it's a bee... Do we need to take them to the vets or can we sort of monitor the the animal? How does that sort of work? 
Well, so, I would think you'd need to monitor it. If you think you've been stung, you'd need to monitor it. But I would be just double-checking, making sure that everything's going to be okay and heading off to your veterinarian. Yeah, look, the, the thing I always look out for is, uh, particularly with dogs, is if they vomit. That okay. indicates a more severe reaction. Right. Um, because they can show up with just uh, skin welts and facial swelling. Um, but, and that can still be dangerous. Um, but it's when they start to vomit that tells us that they're a bit more serious and mm. certainly need emergency treatment. And sometimes too, David, they can get stung inside the mouth or on the tongue, oh, which yeah. can be really dangerous yeah. because we can have that swelling occur and block their airways. That's right. And yeah. in those cases, I've actually seen uh, dogs that required an emergency tracheostomy. Oh, wow. So mm. we had to cut into the neck mm-hmm. and put a, a breathing tube into the neck to yeah. bypass the swelling in the throat. So it is pretty important that we, we're out and about, that we are watching, or if we hear our dog you know, yell out or something, because bee stings are really painful. I know when I was a child, we used to play a lot in clover, and, <laughs> and getting stung by bees, oh, we were looking for those, yep. you know, those four-leaf four clovers. Yeah. So I'm old, David, remember? That was parents, a simple your thing. Parents said, I still go, do that. Go and play in the clover. <laughs> but dogs love to roll in clover, and yes. often if they're you know, sort of doing that and they, they yell out or scream um, in pain, just go and check because mm-hmm. it could actually be... Be a bee, but wasps as well, they're really dangerous because they can bite or sting multiple times, so mm-hmm. they're quite a, a worry in the garden. They hurt more than bees, too, don't they? Wasps, mm, yeah. Well, some people who certainly people who are allergic find that you know, to bee stings are going to be more worried and probably experience more pain, mainly because the reaction of the body. Um, causes uh, chemical release around the side of the sting, which stimulates the nerves. So I think it's variable, but mm. certainly, yeah, wasps are... Um, I used to be more scared of wasps than I was of bees. I am as well. I am, yeah. yeah. And, you know, to get rid of a wasp nest, it's best to do it of an afternoon or early evening because oh. they're more sedentary then. They're going back down and they're just not so, you know, vicious. They won't come at you. And you can okay. give them a spray with that insect spray and away they go. Now I know where I've been going wrong. Don't do it in the day. They'll attack you, David. <laughs> I just go and talk to them and say, you? would you mind moving on, please? Mm, they don't listen. I no. get the broom. I get oh, the Sarah. old broom and then run for cover. Yeah, yeah. they really are quite nasty. They will, they will go you don't we and all, multiple don't we all stings. Get the broom? How else no. does everyone do it? Yeah. Sometimes your life sounds like a cartoon. Well, what do you, how do you get rid of them? Don't you get the old broom and? No, I just spray them. Yeah, good. Oh. At dusk. Well. Yeah, but I'll, bit I'll of change a spray and then the broom. Time of day. Yeah. Okay. You Thanks, don't want Cheryl. them to come after you. Sure. You don't. You don't have a wasp Wealth on a bro- brooch with a. Ro- oh, wasp. I can do that another topic, Dave. <laughs> Now, David, we know that Mm. people can get angry when they're hungry. I'm one of those people. A lot of people do, particularly if you're trying to do a diet. It's Mm -hmm. very hard. Yes. But studies have come out saying that our kitty cats get hangry. Absolutely. This was really fascinating. And I think there's a bit to pull apart in this study, but let's just look at their outcomes. So they took two groups of cats right, Mm -hmm. and uh, observed their eating patterns and then their subsequent behaviours. And one group of cats, they put on a normal diet where they've just basically maintenance food and they get normal cat kind of has access to food all the time. Sure. And the other group of cats, they calorie restricted and they uh, cut down on the availability and access to the food. So the uh, cats that were calorie restricted their interactions, aggressive interactions, 
went up significantly. Really? Yeah. Now, there's a couple of things about this. One is that I guess the thing is why are we calorie restricting cats? So same kind of reason we do with people is that um, we're concerned about obesity. And, you know, it has problems with things like arthritis, increased risk of diabetes, heart disease, cancer, liver disease, you name it. Mm. Very much the same story that we hear for people. We see the same thing with cats. So a lot of people are, you know, keen to look after their pets in the best way possible. And so they might put them on a restricted calorie diet. But with cats, I think you have to be a little bit careful. So one of the things, there's two things, I guess, that we know with cats is they really do prefer to eat alone. So this is, I guess, one of the criticisms with this study is they had groups of cats. Uh, okay, so they weren't feeling particularly comfortable, right. possibly, so, to begin with. You know, and then if you're hungry, that will increase your competitive behaviour and say so you would want to eat the food and chase other animals away. True. Now, so for a lot of people, if you've only got one cat, that may not be an issue. But we do have a lot of people who listen and call into the show and they've got multiple cats mm-hmm. in the house. And so whether it's a cat or dog, I think it's important to, when you're feeding them, whether they're on a diet or not, is to have them well separated. Um, and I've spoken to people and they say, well, you know, this, uh, this happens with dogs. This dog eats and then he goes over and eats the other dog's food. Yes. And that one lets him. Well, he lets him because he knows he'll get bashed up if he doesn't yeah and it's the same thing with cats so i just think the general rule is to keep your animals well separated sometimes that means with a door between them but it's especially important if they're on a diet because now they're going to say well i'm hungry Mm. so what they do is they wolf down their food they gulp it down which means they actually are now at risk of vomiting or regurgitating the food but then they want to rush over and have a fight and get your food So it's doubly important. Now, the other thing about cats is that they kind of are a bit of a grazer with their food. Dogs are a bit of a gulper. Cats are a bit more of a grazer. And so, as I said, a lot of cats have access to food all day. When you put them on calorie restriction, people go, I'm only going to feed them once a day. So maybe even maybe twice a day. Okay. Um, and if I've limited the amount of food, but I'm break, only giving it to them once a day, it's probably better to make sure you know what's the daily volume and divide that up into, say, four meals. Better yet. Okay, so offer it multiple times, more times rather than just the once. But nowadays, we've even got much better tools. So we've now got auto feeders that will limit the amount of food that your cat gets. And I know it gets better. Can you set it to grams or something that it releases? Mm -hmm. Yep. That's cool. I didn't know that. Well, it gets better. If you've got a multi-cat household, you can even have it that it's triggered by by a collar and it opens a gate and the cat can actually get access to the food. And if it's the wrong cat... He can't get access. Oh, get out. That's ridiculous. I know. That is awesome. And it gives them the right amount of food each time. So that's another thing is limiting the food. But it also means that if the cat wants to eat multiple times, you know, then they can do that. So, so that's you can important. set it to yes. times for, per collar yeah. per cat. Yep. Wow. I know. So this. Can you get this from Kmart? <laughs> I think you have to, you'll have to speak to your vet or uh, a pet store would probably be able to chase down this cool. technology. But we're seeing, you know, we're seeing technology in so many ways. And this actually then helps your cat lose weight safely 
and not get hangry. And who wants a hangry cat? No, we don't want to get scratched in the process of no. helping um, your kitty lose a bit of weight. No, that's right. So if you've got multiple animals, cats or dogs, feed them separately. And if you're trying to get your cat or dog to lose weight, feed smaller meals more frequently and maybe look into technology to help you do that. Very impressive. Mm. Cheryl, have you heard of this technology? You don't no, but as... I'm not surprised. But I'm, I actually do feed my dog separately, and I've always done that. The younger one now goes in the playpen. She has her meal there so that there's no sort of aggro about food. I think mm. it's really important. That's the smart thing to do. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Less complication. Yeah. Less risk of yeah. problems. Yeah. Look, as an emergency vet for the last 20 years, whenever we see dog fight wounds, you know, maybe four out of five times it's in the house and of those four out of five times it's uh, around food. Yeah. Mm. And people say, oh, but they got along so well. Yeah, until the day that they don't. Well, humans do it. You know, if you're from a big family and, you know, <laughs> men's made a roast lunch, you know, you, you're going back to thirds. Up. Yeah, you want the crackle first if it's a pork, you know. Yeah, that's yeah. so true. Yeah. yeah. You don't want to be left with the scraps. Is it? Um, we're not biting and scratching, though. No, it's a little bit more. Well, depends. Yeah. <laughs> depends. How good's the crackling? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> How long have you been cooking the crackling, then? Yeah. <laughs> Let's have a look at our dog of the week. We've got Pippa. Beautiful photo of Pippa. She's got the puppy dog eyes. Uh, she's an 11-month-old female Staffy Cross. She's full of puppy love and energy. Even her cuddles are energetic at times. Uh, she does chill out quite well. She snuggles on the couch in the evening, and if you let her, she will share your bed. Uh, she does understand, though, that she has a bed of her own, and sometimes she sleeps in that because not everyone wants bedtime cuddles. She's a bed hog as well. <laughs> I tell you, dogs are the worst for mm-hmm. hogging the bed. Uh, within the house, yard her training has progressed she sits she stays she can shake both hands Uh, she will sit and stay when you leave but when you return home she's still quite excited so obviously the training's continuing there and as you both mentioned quite often it's you know sort of ignoring as you come in don't reward the behavior so obviously uh, she's 11 months so that still needs to uh, be be happening the training Uh, the real challenge for Pippa is learning to calm down the world is exciting so when she's out on the lead at this point in time it is a bit tricky because she's just so excited she's got a lot of energy and she's seeing lots of different things so that will obviously keep going as well she's still a puppy uh, and she needs to chew so obviously getting her those good toys Kongs we've spoken about before you know things for her to, to play with and keep her distracted mm. and, and well she's her... she's in that stage where she's exploring the environment and the best way for dogs to do that is with their mouth mm. yeah. everything goes in the mouth correct yeah so make sure you get some of those toys um she's toilet trained she's very well behaved in the car so she has done a bit of training you just need to continue that but if you would like some information with pippa uh, then please head to our Facebook page, 2NURFM.com. Her energy levels are quite high, so she may not suit a family with small children, probably more high school-age children, bigger yeah. bigger kids, because we don't want her you know, barreling over accidentally with too much love. But please go have a look, because she really is quite a gorgeous puppy dog. Welcome, Kathy from Maitland. Now, we were talking about bees before. Cheryl, that was your topic today, and how the stings can obviously be quite bad for yes. animals. But, Kathy, your friend's dog eats bees. Yes, it's a lovely older rescue 
Kelpie Cross, and he or she absolutely adores snapping, eating bees on a regular basis whenever they're around. And she can go through a dozen a day. Oh, gosh. <laughs> oh, oh, dear. We could just give her some honey. <laughs> <laughs> and we were wondering, was it the, um, the high that she's getting from the sting or something to do with that? No. Well, maybe... No, I, I just, just an OCD or something I th- like that. I think that? yeah, there is actually a condition that we see in um, some dogs, commonly in Cavalier Spaniels. Actually, it's a form of epilepsy, and we call it fly catching behaviour, where they just sit and snap, um, and they just walk around snapping their jaws, and it looks like that's it looks like they're catching flies, and it's actually a form of epilepsy. Um, but if there are actual bees involved. Then it's not that. That that would only be my first thought. Is make sure there are actually insects around. Oh, definitely bees. You know, yeah. Bees are catching them on the lavender bush. Oh. Right. Okay. Um. Look, it's funny how our brain processes things, and so we're drawn to movement, color, and something different. So they're the things that really trigger our brain. And so with a bee, you've got all three. You know, you've got the movement and the noise, of course. Yes. You've got the movement, the noise, something different, and it's colourful. So I think that kind of just really stimulates dogs, and it's like curiosity combined with excitement. And so I don't think it would be a, re, you know, a kind of a chemical high from the bee, but there probably is a bit of a chemical high from the dog's own brain. Um, my concern is that similar to what we were talking about earlier is that um, over time this dog could become allergic. So obviously we're tolerant at the moment. I would have to imagine that this dog has been stung a m- number of times. I imagine so. But yeah. she has no actual response. She doesn't do, she... yeah. No, so not she, at all. So she's quite tolerant, but that doesn't mean she'll forever be tolerant. Right, that's something you need to keep an eye on. Yeah, so the things we were talking about earlier, like Cheryl was saying, the facial swelling, and particularly in the throat, um, you know, that could be quite an urgent situation. And then, as I said, if there's vomiting, that's an indicator of a more severe allergic reaction. Yeah, and let's just hope that those bees that your dog is eating are actually the native bee because they don't have a stinger, so that would be a good thing. Yeah, that's that's the other side. But I, yeah. I have heard that before with dogs that have been st- actually stung by bees and mm. don't get a reaction. Mm. It's quite I, unusual. <laughs> she is. She's, a, she's an unusual a Kelpie. Uh, yes, we yeah. think she may have a touch of uh, Doberman in her, but we're quite not sure what the percentage is. Okay. Um, he's had her for about, oh, I'm guessing now about five years, four or five years, and it's something we picked up straight away and she continues to do it. Well, I, I guess like anything to try and imp- you know prevent these problems, and although we haven't had problems as yet, as we said, there could be the potential for that is cut down the clover, keep the flowering grasses down, and um, although if it's in the lavender bushes, there's not much you can do about that, but um, just to minimise the exposure. But if the dog's fine, then so far so good. So 
hopefully we don't get any f- reactions later on. Fingers crossed. 49216216 is our number if you've got a question for Dr. David Tabrit, but you do need to get in now. David, you were talking before about cats and mm-hmm. when we put them on diets that they can get angry uh, when we limit their calorie intake. I want to ask you a question about fussy eaters with cats because my mother-in-law adores her cats. She spends a fortune on food, though, because she just maintains that they only eat certain food and it's the most expensive yeah, food. Of course. So she, she buys it for them because, you know, she adores them. But, you know, why are they so fussy? Surely if they're hungry, they'll eat. Cats are very smart. If you think about cats in terms of their dietary behaviour and their evolutionary behaviour is they're hunters and um, so you know they need to be very selective about uh, the food that they ingest Um, if they're ingesting other like let's go back to the basics the biology they're carnivores so if they ingest other animals those animals may have actually consumed a plant toxin so the cat doesn't go and consume the toxin but then maybe they found a sick animal right so the cat has to be fussy to make sure hang on is this marsupial or so is this rodent them. or whatever? Is it? Yeah, I'll I'll make sure that um, I'm fussy about that. Okay. Now the other thing that we do see is that um, some cats will have either behavioural problems, but the big one we see is uh, kidney disease. So they'll actually change and alter their consumption of fat, protein, and carbohydrate um, because of changes inside their body. So the cats that we sometimes see that we call them fussy and finicky could actually have uh, kidney disease or liver disease or something like that. So you also have to make sure that you check out, you know, general health check, make sure there's nothing else going on. And then the other thing I think is where um, the scenario you're talking about is I think we sometimes give cats a bit too much range. Okay. (laughs) We're too soft on them. Well... To the point that cats will switch foods, so they do get what we call flavour fatigue. Okay. But how quickly do they switch, you know? So some cats will just eat the same food for like six months and other cats it's like, mm, it's Tuesday, you know, tuna day, Wednesday is uh, chicken day, that sort of thing. So yeah. some cats are more selective like that. Um and I know that to get around that, a lot of people will actually put out a smorgasbord of food. They'll prepare. <laughs> it's a buffet every I'm, day. I may or may not be talking about my own house. So. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> that is so right. funny. My wife doesn't listen to me on the radio anyway. So. <laughs> <laughs> what would you know? <laughs> yeah, she never says that. But anyway, but uh, so we'll often she'll often prepare, you know, there's a bit of fillet steak, there's a bit of corned beef, chopped up some cheese. Oh, my goodness. A bit I'm of coming poached to your house. chicken. And, you know, so then and your the cat, cat chooses. Chooses or chooses none of them. What does she do when the cat chooses none of them? Throw it all out and buy some more stuff. Oh, my goodness. So everybody gets into this problem. Do the kids get that much option? No. No. <laughs> no. It's a this is what's for dinner, you're right. eating it. But the cat, on the other hand. The cat is well treated. The cat, yeah, rules. So cats do get flavour fatigue, but don't always buy into it. <laughs> Just, you got to know your cat. I think that's it. 
Yeah. You've got to know them. Make sure they're healthy. Make sure they haven't got dental disease. They haven't got kidney disease. Check them out. They're not stressed. Some cats will eat certain foods because they're really stressed. The other big thing is if a cat has nasal disease, so for instance, if they're a chronic snuffler, like they've got chronic cat flu, they can be very hard to feed because they need to smell their food. So oh, I, to to check that it's safe. They which smell is their what food to taste it, right? So what we normally say with people who bring in cats that have got nasal disease, we say you need to feed smelly food. So tuna, right. sardines in oil, you know that sort of stuff. Yeah, okay. They'll probably go off the poached chicken, but they'll stay on the smelly food. Yeah, the ones that's more potent mm. that they can really get a good whiff of. That's right. There you go. Very interesting subject today. Mm. And that's all we've got time for. We're at the end of it, I know. It's a bit of a shock. It's come quickly. Cheryl Shaw, thank you today for your topic. Interesting as always. And David, thank you for your Thank you very much. Lovely. We've got Pet Chat back again, same time next week. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well being, pet care, finance, business, and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.